Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome back to another great episode of Wellness Win Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And this week we are diving downstairs in the female <laughs> body and uh, we are going to be talking about something that's really common and affects a lot of women all the way from their 20s through to uh, 80s. So, I mean, here's a couple of questions for you because this will cue into what it is we're going to be discussing. I mean, have you ever had that feeling that you need to have several bowel movements in a short period of time, like you just haven't quite avoided properly? Or maybe the same thing's happening for your bladder and um, you're finding you're getting frequency of urination and just not being able to control the stopping and starting um, of your your frequency of urination. Um, I mean, painful urination or pain in the lower back that can't be explained by other causes. Because we are going to talk about pelvic floor and the pelvic floor dysfunction. And it's such a big issue because so many women suffer unnecessarily with something that has failed to show up with so many other forms of tests and checks and routine exams that say, no, 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 there's nothing wrong as far as we can see. And until you have a pelvic floor you know, examination and really check out what's going on, you won't know what the cause of that problem or that pelvic pain is for you. So Andrea, I would love you to tell our gorgeous listeners, what is the pelvic floor and I mean, how do you find it? How do you know where the pelvic floor is? Oh, that's such a good question because I think as women, we have a bit of an idea, um, you know, it's in our pelvis and it's pretty aptly named as well, the pelvic floor, and it really does create that floor um, or, or that base for our internal structures like our uterus, um, the vagina, the bladder and the bowel as well. Uh, and it's so important for all women throughout their entire lives is, you know, really good, adequate pelvic floor function. And it doesn't mean having a pelvic floor that's too strong, but it also doesn't mean having one that's too weak as well. So there definitely is that, that Goldilocks kind of happy medium that you need to have really, uh, really good pelvic floor function. Um, now, anatomically speaking, uh, the pelvic floor is that bowl that, like I said, supports the bowel, bladder and the uterus. It attaches from the base of the coccyx. So at your, your very bottom of your tailbone, all the way through to the to the front of the pubic bone um, and it creates a bit of a ring around that area and so everything sort of sits within a bit of a sling or a hammock that the pelvic floor creates um, and there's three really important muscles so the iliococcygeus, the pubococcygeus and the puborectalis uh, are those three muscles that make up the, the pubic, uh, oh sorry, the pelvic floor there 
And the pelvic floor creates that all of that supporting structure through there, but it also has a greater purpose as well. So with proper contraction, um, those muscles that I listed um, contain, they maintain a bit of a, a bend in the lower part of the bowel or in the rectum, which creates a contraction through there, which, you know, keeps people nice and continent so it you know keeps everything inside and also bears down and, and creates tension around the urethra as well which stops you know unnecessary blood avoiding at the at the wrong time yeah it's, well. it, it avoids accidents doesn't it that that classic thing of like oh gotta go gotta go, go, go. Which if is, you don't have control you you're gonna have accidents or just not get to the bathroom on time or if we're really panicked and urgent when normally we should have quite a good conscious control over avoiding don't we yeah exactly and you know that um that incontinence or that slight bladder leakage is the hallmark sign for poor pelvic floor dysfunction and if you you know i challenge you guys to put into google just google pelvic floor all of the top sites that come up are all related to urinary incontinence, um, which is really, really sad. And it's something that women don't talk about nearly as much as what they should because it is so important to you know, your, your general health and well-being. Um, I think it, about... Your quality of living as well. Yeah, You know, exactly. it affects you in so many ways. Confidence, self-image, you know, your comfort around people you care about because you don't want them to, you know, notice a problem or, or make yourself feel uncomfortable. And your willingness to participate in activities that you love, but you have that fear of avoidance behavior because Which sport for a lot of a lot of ladies. Yeah, so much so. I've got stacks of patients, um, beautiful women who are quite young as well. Some of them are in their mid to late twenties. Some are in them in their thirties. Some have had kids. Some haven't. Um, who have problems with urinary incontinence because of that poor pelvic floor function, um, as well as a whole host of other problems. But it really does impact on what they're willing to participate in. Oh, so and they definitely wouldn't want to be doing like a body attack or a high intensity body combat not. sort of class or even uh going to yoga classes where they're holding poses for a long time of course yeah uh, which is that catch me too because yoga can really help to teach that relaxation and that contraction through specific areas uh so you know that's really sad that they're not enjoying things that they love and having that that quality of life that's so important to them um incontinence affects about a quarter of women uh, which is a huge number and women after the age of 70 it's about half of them will have those issues and it is the number one reason why women are admitted to assisted living facilities is because of these issues so you know urinary and bowel incontinence which absolutely can be attributed to poor pelvic floor function so really we could avoid sending our mothers um, to nursing homes because of these problems if we could help teach them or understand how the pelvic floor works and potentially prevent the issues later on is that right absolutely and i would love that and i would love us to yeah, start cool. that conversation about what it should be like how to initiate it how to feel the sensation of can i engage my pelvic floor can you create that cognitive awareness from your brain to that area of your body to go oh yeah that's it <laughs> yeah so today we obviously we're hoping that uh, our listeners are the ones and you guys are ones who are interested in this who want to know more about the pelvic floor you may have problems with this and you're wanting to know some solutions so we will try not to be too funny because we know know that laughter and uh, coughing can also cause problems and uh you know and i'm sure we've all felt that time where you've just been crying laughing and go, oh my god my god i'm about to wet myself um that's that's that sensation that some people have all the time you know not just as a, a by chance 
All right, so Ash, let's go through the full spectrum of what this pelvic floor dysfunction can look like and the symptoms associated. No, we, we brushed over a couple at the start and we've just given you plenty of hints there. So absolutely one of the number one things is that urinary incontinence or that slight bladder leakage from things like coughing, sneezing, laughing, um, exercise, you know, it can be gentle or intense exercise. Uh, what else have you got on your list? Also, you know, um, basically discomfort with urination. So yeah. having real troubles with the stop start of going to the bathroom. So, you know, not having a comfortable flow or finishing and not feeling like you've completely finished, you know, just not like feeling like, oh, I still got more, but you can't go anymore. And many women will mistake this for, you know, those cystina symptoms or, um, you know, sort of pseudo urinary tract infections as well, because it's that constant urge to go, that feeling of heaviness and fullness and can sometimes be associated with pain as well, but it's not necessarily an infection. And often they're given, you know, course after course after course of antibiotics to address this when the underlying issue really isn't even being brushed on. Well, it made no changes. So yeah. if you didn't, you know, resolve it with a course of antibiotics and, that was the you know presumed i guess uh, diagnosis then you have to ask more questions now this is not a diagnostic episode we're not telling you to diagnose yourself with things and we certainly are not um actually asking you to ignore the advice of your health professionals what we are saying though is that in the absence of a clear diagnosis and you've tried everything and you've run all the tests and you don't have a uti and you don't have chronic inflammatory pelvic you know symptoms that can be detected through standard testing blood works you know urine samples then in those cases you guys are the ones we're talking to there because if you haven't then explored the pelvic floor dysfunction issue or not even know about it that's that might be your next thing that may be the solution to this chronic problem that is causing you so much um, quality of life effect or you know if you're ticking any of the boxes that we're lifting, listing yeah. here then uh, certainly explore this more uh, so you know failing to reach the toilet in time um, this one's uh, you know kind of funny but not at the same time so uncontrollably breaking wind from either the anus or the vagina um, when bending over or lifting. Yeah, um, that is so embarrassing yeah. too at the gym when that happens. Um, and I'm sure like we're laughing, we're both looking at each other laughing right now because I think we both know there's times in our like either at work in life or <laughs> at the gym and you just like, oh my God, not now. This is so embarrassing. But Everyone's been there or knows someone who has a, yeah, yeah, had that moment. Well. So yeah. Um, yeah, we, we know very well about how uncomfortable and obviously embarrassing and you know, if it is an ongoing issue, then how much that starts to affect your I sense, sense of self-worth and, and value because you think, oh my God, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be near yeah. people. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. And we don't want you to feel that way. We want you to find solutions. Um, painful sex, while we're jumping on embarrassing things as well, people often are not willing to talk about the fact that sex is painful to them. So, you know, it shouldn't be a painful experience. It should be pleasurable. That's the whole point of sex, I think. You know, and yet a lot of women are not willing to say to their partners, oh, that really hurts because they don't want to break the moment. They don't want to kill the atmosphere. Um, and yet they, you know, suffer quietly later on feeling really, you know, really painful. For, and it can be for up to days. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. But um, certainly pelvic floor dysfunction contributes to painful sexual intercourse. And at the same time, a reduced sensation in the vagina as well. Uh, so we're going to get into the neurology a little bit shortly. But, you know, just changes of how things feel through there from what you've experienced previously is a good thing to look out for. I know you've already talked about, you know, low back pain, pelvic pain, um, those things that aren't attributed to any other causes can absolutely be attributed to by, you know, poor pelvic floor function. Um, and that's a big one we see in our practices. I mean, 
I can tell you this gorgeous girl had been seeing me for quite some time and it was really coming down to the fact that because we'd really categorically, you know, um, I guess addressed the issues of uncomplicated low back pain mm-hmm. and she was still presenting symptomatically with the, the pelvic back pain syndrome, um, it wasn't until we sort of looked a bit deeper into the pelvic floor function that we realized part of her pain syndrome was certainly in the beginning um, from her back because of anterior pelvic tilt and because mm-hmm. of dysfunction around the L4-5 facets, we found that stuff. But once that had gone through an appropriate time frame of healing and we'd resolved that, there was still this chronic underlying pelvic pain. And it wasn't until we dived into that side of things and looked at that area, we figured out what was the secondary pain problem that she'd been having, which had just caused so much sensitization through the pelvis and through the lower back. And often it takes that peeling back the layers to really get to what the root cause is as well. Um, and for someone to feel comfortable enough to go okay I think this is what's going on um you know a a sensation of heaviness in the vagina because you can actually get you know in extreme cases prolapses through the bladder and uterus into the vagina as well um which is you know one of the complications of you know really poor pelvic floor dysfunction we'll talk about shortly how these things happen and why Um, and you know a distinct swelling in the in the vaginal area as well, um, again because of that disruption of the the floor that's supposed to hold everything. Yeah, it's into bracing its everything place. up. It's changing blood vascular nerve supply to the to the lower limbs, isn't it? As well, yeah. it can really affect certain other areas. And I guess you know we haven't sort of talked about this just yet, but there are several mechanisms of injury that can actually lead to spasms and problems in the pelvic floor. And these are really important because a lot of us have had these injuries and may not have connected the dots as to when things started. And then you start to go, oh, wow, that's that's my history. I've never thought that those things were connected. Um, so, for example, it could be a, a traumatic vaginal delivery, so through pregnancy. Um, pelvic surgery of some sort at any time could create scar tissues and adhesions that could affect the function of the pelvic floor muscles. Absolutely. Those adhesions, um, so you know, they're soft tissue adhesions between either the the pelvic floor muscles that attach onto the bowel bladder or even into the the bony structures as well the tensile strength of the adhesions is phenomenal i think it's i've read somewhere 2000 pounds of tensile strength those uh, structures can have so the amount of distortion that that can create i don't know what that would be in kilograms but Mm. uh, but that's that's why they talk about scar tissue you know and scar tissue fibrous adhesions are so much stronger than the existing tissue structure often because they're uh, basically without collagen matrix so they're, they're immobile they're very fibrous um and yeah for certain and i mean this is another one that people probably don't even realize we call them their positional insults and these are things like prolonged driving or occupations that uh, require prolonged sitting so you know all our desk workers people who are sitting at computers all day long then go home and sit at their computers further or sit at the television you know we, we don't realize but we're actually establishing a really poor foundation for our pelvis and pelvic floor as well and traumatic injuries of the back and pelvis so any accidents falls traumas heavy landing on your bum you know um you know falling at ice skating it could have been you know snow skiing a trip a slide a, a landing i mean if anyone has tried to learn snowboarding you've probably fallen the ass so many times there's any number of ways in which you could have traumatized the sacroiliac joint or the or the sacrum itself mm-hmm. so that's so important as well i have actually fractured my coccyx on my tailbone three times oh and painful. Um, uh, everyone's screaming right now i can feel like i can feel everyone squirming that's my, uh, you know how bad that is my coccyx actually sits at a right angle now to wow. the rest of my sacrum um and interesting the 
most recent time I did that was actually downhill mountain bike riding in uh, New Zealand and um, I fell off and, and rolled down a cliff. But anyway, <laughs> um, the, one of the first things I noticed once the pain had subsided was an inability for me to actually contract my lower abdominal muscles because of the ligamentous attachments that connect into the coccyx and how that really does create that pelvic floor, um, you know, floor or base there. Um, it completely changed the entire alignment of my pelvis and how I was able to connect with those areas. I couldn't turn on my lower abdominal muscles, which I've never had problems with before. Now, thank goodness you're self-aware and mm. also coming from background through chiropractic of, you know, an incredible knowledge, deep knowledge of the bio, you know, mechanics of the pelvis and the musculoskeletal infrastructure of the pelvis. Now, most women though, don't have that background of knowledge. And yeah. that's really what we're here for as well. You know, we're trying to help you understand that um, there's a lot of stuff. You don't have to go to university for five years to learn this stuff, but you do need to know who to talk to so you can get some solutions and understand your body better and you know that's what we're rolling through here today i mean just for you know really sort of statistics to sum up i think why we think this is such a big problem that it's 24 to 40 percent of laparoscopies done come back with negative outcomes or negative results for no cause of chronic pelvic pain so people are going in getting Mm -hmm. laparoscopies up to 40% of those women are finding out that there's nothing wrong. And then the question is asked, is it between your ears? You know, is mm-hmm. it a psychological issue? Because unfortunately it's not often a psychological issue. Uh, it simply is there. They just can't find it with standard medical um, imaging or, or investigation. And it's a hard road to go down, especially for, you know, most GPs, um, because it, and you know what, you in, in a tongue in cheek way, you're kind of right. Is it between your ears? Is it a neurological problem? Um, which for, for most part it is. Um, and th- let's talk a little bit more about some of the causes of this as well. So that was my traumatic cause <laughs> for, you know, some of my, uh, pelvic floor issues. Um, You've already talked about pregnancy, really heavy bumps um, can certainly increase your risk of, um, you know, pelvic floor issues later on. Um, Obesity, you know, so if you've got weight issues, it certainly puts a lot more pressure on the area. Chronic constipation and straining, so people not voiding their bowels and bladder uh, correctly um, in a way that biomechanically really suits how the body is designed to, to void. Now, this is where we're going to get uh, a bit, a bit icky, Mickey, mucky, because <laughs> we both had these same experiences. Have you ever traveled to Southeast Asia? Cause if you have, I'm going to ask you what sort of toilets did you have to go to use in the bathrooms? They're all squat toilets and they're amazing. They're squat toilets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yet we've used Western toilets where we sit on our high horse, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we expect to have a good bowel function. Can you explain to us, Andrew, why sitting on a Western toilet is not assisting us with regards to function of the pelvic floor and correct voiding? Well, the best um, kind of analogy I can use is if you think of women who are giving birth out in the fields, um, you know, like the, the beautiful African tribes still do today and how women did for, you know, eons, they would go and they would squat, they would dig a hole and they would squat and that's how they would have the bub. Um, yeah, they wouldn't be lying on their back leg spread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that actually, you know, closed everything down. Um, so, you know, not, not sitting down into a proper squat position is not allowing things to, to open properly. So no wonder we need to really strain to, you know, fully evacuate our bowels. And while people feel uh, like they don't have that proper completion of the bowel movement, which can be quite uncomfortable for lots of people. And it's, you know, it's certainly why so many people are so chronically constipated because they don't know how to avoid appropriately and hemorrhoids are a pretty big issue as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, fresh blood on toilet paper can be an indication that you've got hemorrhoids. And of course, then uh, as a reflection of the straining and, and stress you're putting through the bowel, mm-hmm. because when you squat, the angle of the um, rectum and the anus is correct in the sense that it's a straight passage yeah. for you to be able to move that bowel motion. But if you're sitting, you tend to tuck it under and there's a little bit of a, a, a little turn in the, the rectum and that's where things start to become uh, blocked. And like so what we talked about, the anatomy of the pelvic floor, there's supposed to be that bend to keep that continence in place. Yes. So that is maintained in that position yeah absolutely and look we, we were laughing before because we we're having a chat before we started our recording today and um you know it's such a shame but you know for most people if they heard about putting you know this little stool in beside the toilet seat so you could squat over a western toilet you'd say crazy bunch of hippies now you know i've spent my time in amsterdam and uh, lived there for some time and it's very liberal in the way we think about um you know health well-being it's a lot of liberal <laughs> i think behaviors there as well but um one thing i did learn when i was there was um from a a lady and she does raw food uh clinics and and Mm. retreats and all sorts of things and she was talking about how you know putting a stool beside the the toilet to squat is actually in fact improving bowel function i did her research and she was 100 percent right so you know she'd learned that she was in the raw foodie vegan movement but it's such a shame that that's not mainstream and not normal for so many people and although it is becoming a lot more Thank goodness, uh, yes. yeah, fashionable now, and there's plenty of websites that you can check out. Um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's like a, a potty something something. Um, anyway, it's a it's a little stool that you would put beside the toilet. We'll link you. We'll show you yeah. a photo. And it's, so you it's, can it's see exactly. It's perfectly angled so that you can you know put your feet on there and, and you're fine and be comfortable and safe as well. Yeah. Um, so some of the more things. What are the things that make those muscles too loose? What sort of things can impact? Oh, constant coughing. Yes. Um, any chronic cough conditions. Yeah. Um, asthma, bronchitis, um, um, what smokers cough, people who've had a history of smoking and constantly coughing. Unresolved infections, um, uh, COPD, so yeah, yeah or the, the whole host of things. Anything that causes you to cough repeatedly is uh, is a risk to causing those muscles to, to weaken. And interestingly, there's a lot of hormonal issues that are also associated with pelvic floor dysfunction. So as women enter menopause, uh, their normal estrogen or their ovarian stores of estrogen uh, drop which can actually thin the lining of the, the uterus and the vagina. Um, so the actual, the muscles themselves become thinner, uh, which also is going to affect the, that pelvic floor function as well. Um, so good hormonal balance and taking care of your, your hormones is, is really important for this issue too. And of course that connects to, you know, aging. And yeah. uh, although we don't think it's a normal sign of aging to have incontinence, but we do naturally lose muscle mass as we age. So unless you've consciously maintained fitness and exercise regimes to maintain the quality of that muscle mass, then your pelvic floor is a muscle group as well. They will also deplete and diminish over time if not used correctly. So it's that back to that um, saying, use it or lose it. You know, if you're not using it correctly, you're going to lose it because the body removes those protein stores for other things. It's not going to keep that muscle mass. Uh, And not just aging as well. uh, There's, a high prevalence of women going through um, perimenopause or menopause at a much younger age now. One in 1,000 um, women in their 20s. Wow, scary. Yeah. Menopause. Um, and that is just a sign of hormonal 
hormonal imbalance. So if you've got any concerns about that, certainly consult your practitioners and, and ask more questions as well. And there's also um, the high-impact exercise, which you touched on. Now, yes. for a lot of people, high-impact, they straight away think of gym classes, you know, um, jumping around in, in CrossFit classes and stuff. But really, it's common things that women do, such as netball or running or basketball, mm-hmm. um, because in that way, they're still considered high-impact because of the stop-start and the jumping and the loading that happens through the pelvis. Um And just before we move away from, you know, this uh, whole host of causes of uh, the uh, pelvic floor dysfunction, that pelvic pain, there's also visceral causes as well. So, you know, endometriosis, um, the the growth of the the endometrial tissue outside of where it's supposed to be in the uterus and the adhesions associated with that. We've already talked about those adhesions. Um, There can also be uh, things like chronic pelvic inflammatory disease, um, you know, as well as other STIs and STDs. So certainly that's something to think about. Um, fibroids or large growths within the uterus, uh, cystitis, um, urinary tract infections, which we have talked about. So, you know, if that these are unresolved and w- without any, you know, bacterial growth or anything like that, that's certainly something to, to look into. Um, and digestive uh, complications as well. We've talked about constipation, but there are more serious things like colitis, diverticulosis, diverticulitis, um, and, you know, other inflammatory bowel conditions too. Yeah, and so we really implore you that if you do have any of these symptoms or you do have you know any of these underlying diagnoses, make sure you go through the correct paths and the correct routes of, um, I guess, checks and, and necessary tests and appropriate sort of findings because in the absence of a correct diagnosis and you know you've tried everything and you still don't have answers this is why we're doing this episode because there's still so many women out there who have tried everything done all their tests been to their gps and specialists umpteen times and whilst they may have some explanation they don't know what to do about it still so you know that's now what we're going to talk about what do you do if you have these sort of symptoms of chronic pelvic lower pain you've done the correct path of medical treatments and it hasn't made any changes for you at this Mm -hmm. point in time um next steps what can we do from there And also don't forget that if you do have any of those issues that we have just listed, uh, pelvic floor issues certainly are in association with those as well. So you can have concomitant issues too. So, you know, good pelvic floor function, if we cannot stress this enough, is important to all women, no matter what your diagnosis is, no matter what your health concerns or issues are. uh, This is, you know, really good information that you you certainly need. Uh, So... Now that we know what causes it, uh, we've given you a little bit of the background into the anatomy as well. What can we do to start to change this? And uh, how can you become more aware of your, your pelvic floor for yourself as well? Well, I, I'm going to say outright, number one, get a proper musculoskeletal checkup. Yeah. You know, see a well-trained, highly qualified professional, a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, someone who specializes in women's health particularly, just like we do. We have a passion for it. We've done the extra studies. There's lots of professionals out there that have gone, gone above and beyond their degrees because they want to do more. They want to help more. And they specialize in certain areas that they've got more knowledge or focus in on top of their, you know, their standard degrees as well, which is great. You know, it's so good that there's people out there, you know, focusing on special needs in the community, which is uh, what we're doing with women's health. 
And there's certainly an area of specialization with this as well. You know, Pilates uh, performed by physiotherapists certainly become, you know, pretty uh, mainstream and popular these days as well. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of these women do have a really good understanding and have done that extra training to be able to help. And just... men, by the way. There's, there's oh, certainly... yes, men as well. Yes, <laughs> men as well. Male, male professionals it's, out there. It's that totally up to your preferences to who you'd like to see. But yeah. do your research and make sure that they're qualified to identify these sort of conditions correctly and address them with you accordingly. So, we, we, I mean, from a chiropractic perspective, we firstly, we look at the spine and nervous system and we talked about some of the reasons why you can have pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. The studies, the research, the anatomy tells us that any interruption to the nervous system supply to those tissues or structures will inhibit their function or excite their function. So it might exactly. be what we call hypertonic, so overactive muscle control or tone, or hypotonic, meaning underactive muscle control or tone. And so knowing the difference between hyper versus hypo is so important because the treatment does vary. Exactly. And what controls the tension of those muscles and of the pelvic floor? It's the nervous system. And so all of the muscles that we listed are controlled by the brain and that communication pathway comes out and it exits through the lower part of the lumbar spine and through the sacrum or your tailbone. Um, It's controlled by the pudendal nerves and your sacral nerves as well. Um, So they are what's telling your pelvic floor muscles to turn on, to turn off, to relax, um, to, you know, maintain that, that tension too, so that you, you are continent as well. Uh, So that continence is absolutely a neurologically driven event it's not just a you know a weakness per se. It's it's a whole cascade. It's almost like a symphony orchestra of uh, things that have to happen simultaneously to maintain the contraction, and then when you need to void, contain to you know help that relaxation and in the correct sequence, well. you know yeah, correct sequencing of those contractions, and that's also something as well. There's you know part of our brain nervous system that's controlling smooth muscle sphincters around our bowel and mm-hmm. anus and bladder. And, you know, if those nerve supplies are interrupted, the smooth muscle control is not adequate and uh, we don't have conscious control over that, unfortunately. Exactly. So any women who are present with any of these sort of symptoms that we've listed, um, you know, in, in detail, I will always pay such close attention to, you know, the sacrum, the pelvis, the lower lumbar spine, you know, as well as the whole body as well. But, you know, that whole pelvic alignment uh, and the pubic bone as well, because it all will contribute to you know, how that, that area is functioning. Yeah. And also the organs within it, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, the, and we sort of talk so much about, I mean, both Andrea and myself are so passionate about women's health, particularly through um, preconception through pregnancy and, and post birth. And of course we just look at that and just go, wow, you know, for us, the pelvis and the brain nervous system supply is everything because the whole function structure, everything relies on, uh, on correct information to, to and from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So Pretty important that we talk about something that I'm sure most women have heard of, and that's Kegel exercises. Uh, and if you haven't ever experienced what a Kegel exercise is or what it uh, you know, aims to do, if you can imagine that you're sitting on the toilet and you're um, emptying your bladder, and if you were to halt the flow of urine halfway through, so you were to draw everything in and stop that flow, and then start it again. That's a Kegel exercise. Um, you'll see women, you know, bopping up and down in the car at red lights because that's often, um, you know, it helps them to have that that cue. And uh, it was funny. Uh, 
talk, spoken to so many mothers who say, oh, yeah, I do my Kegel exercises every time I stop at red lights, which is fantastic. Good habit um, to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, look, if you know that you've got a problem in this area, if you find that really hard to initiate or even to help your brain to find that part of your body, uh, doing this a couple of times a day each time you go to the bathroom. So going in, emptying your bladder, but during the flow, stopping the void two to three times and doing that a few times a day over a few days. Don't do this long term, however, um, but just practicing, you know, how you find that area is really, really helpful. Um, you can also look into things like uh, there's, there's pessaries or insertable devices that you can have to help strengthen the muscle tissue within the vagina. Um, and that's what, is that the biofeedback techniques? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. So yeah. when we say biofeedback, that's a way to give you a conscious awareness of what's happening or not happening. So it's biofeedback. So you can understand what you're doing, whether you're doing it correctly, whether it's working for you. And it's generally non-payful and non-surgical, which is such a great thing because you really do want to try um, those treatment types first because the stats say that 75% of people will improve based on the biofeedback methods alone. So that's a really cool thing to know that um, first and foremost, go and address that um, with the biofeedback methods. And that can be through therapists. It can be through physios. It's There's a lot of people who do it. I mean, dare I say it, there's also online. You, you can buy online devices. Now, yeah, I never encourage yeah. buying online devices without yeah. proper instruction. But, you know, like for someone who lives in a remote place in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you might be able to get a courier to drop off something to help you, but you're 400 Ks from the nearest physiotherapist who could do anything for you. You yeah. know, like I'm talking, there's women out there in the rural areas suffering quietly, trying to round up their, their cattle. And I'm talking about a client in mind in general, yeah, um, who's come down from the middle of nowhere in WA here. And she has no resources you know she can't be coming to a therapist yeah, she just comes down to Perth to visit family when she does she drops in for her, her checkup and that could be months between that could be six months between and someone like her my god I'm so glad that there is the opportunity for some of these um purchases that can be done <laughs> and you can get them so that if you're not near a therapist you can still do something about this and not suffer because i know for her it's so embarrassing to you know chasing a cow <laughs> and she says i was chasing the cow the other day and i just wet myself and i'm like that is just horrible for her you know emotional sense of self as well so i was really excited when we came up with a few strategies and ideas so yeah was good. great um and these things can also include you know vaginal weights i know that sounds really strange but that does sound strange yeah. tell me about that i actually i haven't had that conversation with you yet and and it it is uh you know same same biofeedback sort of thing so it's an insertable object or insertable weight that helps that contraction and really to if you do have a hypo so, so weak weakness mm -hmm. through the area to help really facilitate that um and it can help especially women after childbirth and all sorts of things especially if there was any trauma associated with that um yeah it can be a great uh, thing to facilitate the contraction and again the relaxation of that too. Cool. So that's the strengthening stuff. And then there's also for the people who need to relax it. Yes. Now we're talking about more like relaxation techniques, breathing techniques, diaphragmatic control. Tell us, tell us some of those things. Yeah. In the way the body works, muscles will inhibit 
or stimulate each other. So for example, if you contract your bicep muscle, your tricep, the one at the back, uh, has to relax to allow that muscle to move in and to become tense. So Dr. Eric Cobb is uh, a fantastic practitioner from the US um, who talks about this muscle pairing and the pairing of the pelvic floor is actually associated with the diaphragm. Uh, so it kind of creates that roof. So you're talking about that... diaphragm from breathing. Correct. Yes. Yeah, sorry. It's sorry, pelvic the... diaphragm, but we're talking about respiratory diaphragm. Absolutely. So the respiratory diaphragm that sits underneath the rib cage there. Uh, so it creates, you know, the, the roof of the abdominal cavity and the pelvic floor creates the floor of the abdominal cavity. And so there's that reciprocal inhibition um, from these two muscle groups because your respiratory diaphragm is just a really large muscle. So learning to breathe properly, breathing diaphragmatically um, is really great to help facilitate good adequate pelvic floor function as well because nothing works in the body in isolation. So doing Kegel exercises are fantastic, but again, the way the body works functionally, that's actually impractical because nothing works in isolation. Uh, so those great breathing techniques, relaxation. Um, Which is also why we love yoga and we encourage yeah. yoga because you often get a great combination of muscle activity with conscious awareness of breathing and breath hold. So um, yeah, look, in, encouraging you to find classes or activities that are going to help you support those um, relaxation needs that your body has to improve your pelvic function um, and obviously correct pelvic dysfunction. Exactly. Uh, another really big one is avoid pushing and straining when you're going to the bathroom um, because uh, how much we've talked about constipation. So address the underlying constipation. Um, get your little stool for the toilet. Um, practice your squatting. Increase your water intake. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look water at the digestive tract. So important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So go back and listen to our uh, our gut episode <laughs> and find out more about the gut and how you can improve the function of the gut because that one's going to give you the the real uh, run through from mouth to anus about how to get your gut moving properly so you don't have to strain at the other end. Yeah, great. Um, and then one thing that I really love is functional training, okay, meaning moving the body in a way that's meant to, to move rather than training isolated muscle groups. Um, so the squatting position, not only on the toilet, but, but practicing your squats um, in other areas as well is really great for helping to really open that area through the pelvis and sh um, making sure there's good movement through the pelvic bones as well. And also there's adequate contraction too. So your glutes are one of your most powerful muscles in your body. So when you're squatting and you're, you know, rising from the squat, your glutes are part of that, that activation. Um, yeah. So many of our listeners right now, you probably Probably listening you might be sitting down while you're doing this what we want you to consciously do during this week now is when you're getting up and down from a chair you're not just going plop and landing <laughs> in the chair you're going to consciously control a squat to butt touchdown so that you control the muscle activities right down to the point where you touch the chair and relax into the sitting position and the same when you get up don't grab the armrests or the side hands on the on the chair i want you to grab you know if you need to support anything just the, your hands just above your knees at the front of your, your quads there and I want you to activate your glutes and stand from the sitting position you want to go and fire up the hamstrings the glutes quads and get everything active and that tones the pelvic uh, floor as well 
Fantastic. One other thing that I, the piece of advice I love to give my patients, especially women, is stop wearing high heels um, when you don't oh, need them. I, I know, know there's like a collective like, fashion police yeah, here. Everyone's um, just gone, oh, I'm not, I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> you, you've just sinned. That's a sin against women. And you know what? I hear, I get exactly that response as well from so many of my patients. It's hilarious. They just look at me like I've got two heads. Um, but it's for a really specific purpose. Okay. So as soon as you kick yourself up into those big stilettos, you create this interior pelvic tilt, which means your, your pelvis... Uh, tilts forwards as soon as it does that it completely disengages your lower abdominal muscles and your pelvic floor so it's really hard to create that conscious facilitation of that area when you're in that really extreme anterior pelvic tilt which you know your high heels create so if you're at work and you're wearing heels have flats with you only wear them if you absolutely need them for meetings or ballet flats to walk to work yeah and then switch to heels when you're about to walk in the office door so if you need them there's so many amazing flats out there you don't need them So yeah, look, um, yeah. So consider your shoes as well and how that affects the pelvis. So look, I think that's going to wrap things up for us today because we've given you a huge number of um, ideas on what causes pelvic dysfunction, you know, what sort of symptoms you might be experiencing. And then of course, some of the solutions you've got, you listened to in the last few minutes here. And we just really want to remind you that if there is stuff going on, you must get checked. You must take yourself to your doctor. You must ask the right questions. And if you're uncertain about the answers or the outcomes, get a second opinion. You know, you wouldn't, I know I said it with my clients, it's one of those things and, and don't trust us. Go and research, look things up, go and ask questions of others because you'd never work into, you know, a car yard and buy the first car you jumped into unless you were just, you know, that's the hottest Ferrari you're ever going to get. It was like, yeah, you know, but generally speaking, you're going to test drive a few and the same should go for our health as well. We really should ask the right questions and we should get second opinions when it comes down to really serious things that can definitely affect our health long-term, particularly when there may be paths of medication or surgery involved as well. Mm -hmm. So let's ask the right questions before we jump on that train, because once we're on that train, it can be quite hard to get off it and it can lead to other secondary issues down the track as well. So, you know, first things first, address the underlying causes, look at how we can get our health internally, you know, balanced. And then, uh, yeah, we, as women, we'll experience better quality of life. and, And that's what we're here to teach you, you know, how to have a more amazing experience as a woman, you know, empowered, understanding your body, understanding your health. Fantastic. All right. So we'll post uh, some of these exercises onto the Facebook page, um, which is facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Um, you can find us on our website as well. So the wellnesswomen.com.au. Um, and until next week, um, go do your Kegel exercises, check out how well functioning your pelvic floor is yeah. and be well. And, and if you love what we're doing, please, please, please go online, give us a five star rating because we're really trying to grow. We're trying to expand. We're kind of share our message with more and more women across the world. So you know, and this is really about us helping you and you helping others. So well, we love your feedback. We love your comments and uh, we make sure that we get back to every one of you. So thank you so much for supporting us. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.